The rest of the world is, is moving forward because they understand the impacts of being able to communicate and transfer value with an utmost degree of certainty of, of security and finality. And that's the thing, I, I use the word finality because like, if you think about using your credit card and buying some goods at the store or like paying for services um, or even paying your mortgage, like that payment actually isn't final. Like that payment is just a promise that it will be final someday. But in blockchain, the finality is way more efficient and much more precise than any of those payment mechanisms we have today. Because all that stuff takes time, but with blockchain, it's cryptographically signed and it's executed. And so finality is overlooked often because we take it for granted because we just borrow and lend all day long. But that's really what it is. But with blockchain, it's actually finality. Let's discover what people are building in the greater Cleveland community. We are telling the stories of Northeast Ohio's entrepreneurs, builders, and those supporting them. Welcome to the Lay of the Land podcast, where we are exploring what people are building in Cleveland and throughout Northeast Ohio. I am your host, Jeffrey Stern, and today I had the real pleasure of speaking with Andrew Marr. Andrew is the co-founder and CTO of RiseWorks, an all-in-one compliance and payment platform designed for companies with global workforces. Rise, which is based in Pepper Pike and has raised $3.8 million in seed funding from investors like Draper Associates, Polymorphic Capital, Sino Global Capital, Hashkey Capital, and many other angel investors, offers a platform with flexible payment infrastructure along with automated routing between fiat and cryptocurrencies, ultimately enabling Web2 and Web3 organizations to onboard, manage, and pay local and international contractors and other global workers, all while ensuring full compliance and alleviating burdensome tax processes, covering over 90 local currencies, over 100 cryptocurrencies, and having paid out over $10 million to teams in countries across the world. Andrew, who is originally a California transplant now living on the east side of Cleveland for the last 15 years, came to build Rise with two decades of experience developing software, and a decade-long experience at Dealer Tire here in Cleveland prior. Andrew is also a pilot, flying mostly for fun. This was a fascinating conversation as we unpack Andrew's passion for blockchain and instant global payments as a catalyst for positive change, the future of digital identity, the challenges of companies building in the Web3 space, opting to focus on global first, the staying power of crypto, and a whole lot more. So please enjoy my conversation with Andrew Marr after a brief message from our sponsor. Lay of the Land is brought to you by Impact Architects and by 90. As we share the stories of entrepreneurs building incredible organizations in Cleveland and throughout Northeast Ohio, Impact Architects has helped hundreds of those leaders, many of whom we have heard from as guests on this very podcast, realize their own visions and build these great organizations. I believe in Impact Architects and the people behind it so much that I have actually joined them personally in their mission to help leaders gain focus, align together, and thrive by doing what they love. If you two are trying to build great, Impact Architects is offering to sit down with you for a free consultation or provide a free trial through 90, the software platform that helps teams build great companies. If you're interested in learning more about partnering with Impact Architects or by leveraging 90 to power your own business, please go to ia.layoftheland.fm. The link will also be in our show notes. It's a long time in the making here. So I'm excited to, to talk with you about Rise. I feel like most 
emerging technologies evolve in these these cycles and in the the world of of crypto and and web3 you know following a, a period of i think significant you know hype and, and activity i think it would be fair to say the sentiment has has waned a little bit in this proverbial winter uh, sense and that the the casual observer <laughs> may have turned somewhat cynical and and overlooked the, the actual progress that I, I think the industry is is still making you know particularly amidst all the the kind of profile headlines of of bankruptcies and and frauds and, and flameouts of the last few years um, however to, to me as, as kind of like a longtime follower of of this space I try and just you know, look for the the durable progress that that's being made in the space, and uh, have been very much looking forward to to talking with you guys for for a while. So I'm excited to learn more about Rise and the work you're doing. So thank you for for coming on, Andrew. Yeah, thanks for thanks for having me. And yeah, definitely a long time coming. I'm trying to schedule this for a while for sure. <laughs> so can you just kind of take us through your your own background and you know your path to to entrepreneurship? I know everyone also personally has their you know initial spark and interest in in the crypto and Web three space somewhere along the line. I don't know exactly where it was for you. How is it that that came into the picture along your your own career progression around the things you were working on? Yeah, um, you know, quickly background. Um, you know, I've been in technology for for two decades now. It's been a, a, a long time. I'm starting out at a very large company, AT and T out in California. So I, I really got exposure to like how these massive behemoth companies really operate. And I had the opportunity in 20, 2008 to come out to Cleveland. And that's, you know, where I got really into a smaller company, um, Dealer Tire, which at that time was really more of like a medium-sized company. Uh, and the team was small. I was number five on a development team. And so we had to make decisions really quick and move forward. And that grew into a, a company that had 30 or so developers, um, quite quite a decent sized workforce. And I moved from into development into some senior leadership roles um, in there. And, and in that experience, it gave me um, exposure to how business operates. You know, why do you care about your general ledger? Where, how do you care about accounting and compliance and uh, operations? Um, and that was really, really great from a growing perspective and experience, which kind of put a bow on being ready for entrepreneurship and going off my own. And so that's what I did. And 2018, I actually left to join a startup um, and just be a consultant for a startup and do my own consulting thing, uh, where I was running my own payroll and QuickBooks and charging customers and everything. So really got mm. to see the full gamut of technology and how it relates to these large and very small companies. At that point, I just wanted to actually go off on my own and really uh, have a lot more influence over my own success. Because when you're the one person show or a really small startup, like you really the more work you put in, a lot of times you get that that award given back to you. So that's really where I wanted to be. And so at that time too, uh, it was a conversion from moving uh, working at Dealer Tire, which is a very traditional business, over into the blockchain space. And part of that decision to leave a comfy uh, position to move into something on my own was around crypto. Uh, so it, it really, if I could sum it up, is really I learned I can program money. And once you learn you can program money, you're like, as a developer, you're like, the world opens up because you never thought of doing that before. But all of a sudden, you can write programs to send value anywhere in the world. And you can run servers to communicate with other servers anywhere in the world. These protocols just started opening up and opening doors for developers. That's really what piqued my interest and really kind of pushed me over the ledge, not just from like the ownership perspective, but really the new thing that was coming out that was exciting and, and really world impacting. 
And so I, I don't think a lot of people get opportunities in their lifetime to actually jump into a new technology that's groundbreaking like crypto and even AI now and really uh, grab it by the horns. And so that's, that's really how I got started. And before I even left in to be a, a consultant, I actually was running miners in my basement. So I was mining Ethereum with GPUs. I had 36 GPUs in my basement, uh, charging a ton of electricity and heat vents going out of the basement and <laughs> into uh, to the outside and uh, really kind of tipping my toes in that way. And then, uh, and then of course, leaving and uh, learning a whole lot about Ethereum. And so when I left, I was actually writing APIs and I was becoming very familiar with the Ethereum the RPC endpoints, the data that made up Ethereum and the, the nodes that ran globally and communicated globally. So um, that's kind of how I really got really, really involved because I got introdu introduced into this fine-grained introduction to uh, Ethereum. Everything I've done after that has been built upon that foundation, essentially. As we make our way to Rise, was that of the first of the explorations you had done you know, with that foundation in place or where directionally were, were you thinking about problem solving with regards to what you could build with programmable money? Yeah, at that point, it was much more just focused around career and exposure as being like a technologist wanting to new, do new interesting things. So I didn't have an insight into what I want to do with Rise. Um, but, but at the heart of it was really around looking at the technology, not trying to speculate on tokens or anything that you typically hear about crypto, but really understanding like how the technology works. And knowing how to wield it. That's really where my passion has always been. And yeah, that, that is definitely part of the, uh, the start of Rise as well. So t tell us a little bit about Rise and, and you know, what it is and what, what you're actually trying to do. Yeah, so Rise, uh, we're focused on paying global teams. Uh, you know, as um, new companies spin up, like finding the talent you need is not always next door. They're somewhere in the world. And uh, with the internet, with video conferencing, people work from home, like, your team doesn't have to be in the same city or states or even country. And knowing that, uh, we needed, we wanted to build a, a platform to help facilitate payments globally and make it easy for people. Because if anybody's ever tried to send a, a bank payment from one country to another, it's not easy. It's uh, really complex. There's other providers you have to deal with, other complete other banking systems that don't make sense to you because you haven't used them before. And it's not cheap. It's very expensive to do as well. So we wanted to really build a platform that people could get paid on very easily and the payer does not have to worry about, you know, compliance regulation and doesn't have to worry about what currency they're receiving or the, the, the payers or the payees receiving. And the compliance aspect is really making sure contracts is in place, that there's there's a clear uh, relationship between the payer and payee, what the payment is for, and really having, you know, um, everything just kind of in order for those payments. Where Rise started was this... Uh, really desire to uh, really use the blockchain technology for what it's designed for and not for just investing in tokens and even exchanges, but really just to facilitate these global payments. And that's why my, myself and my co-founder, Hugo, uh, we came up with an idea of one way you can get involved in crypto is getting paid for it. The other way is investing. So that's really what I wanted to focus on is people getting paid in crypto. The other part of it is uh, self-solder for money. Like if you're Getting paid in the in crypto, you can keep it in crypto and decide what to do with it. And that also means investing into DeFi protocols and becoming your own bank, essentially, where your funds at rest are actually generating yield for you and working for you while they're just sitting there. So how do you actually explore the the idea maze there, knowing that I think 
at the time, a lot of people are beginning to think about those kinds of applications and use cases as well. And I imagine it, it felt quite saturated at the time of, of folks trying to figure out how to how to crack, you know, this particular kind of, of problem. So how did you approach like at the onset, what what the, the strategy would be to to build something lasting here as an organization? Well, I'll say at the very beginning, we, we got it, I wouldn't say wrong, but a little bit prematurely. Um, actually, Rise started out as a, a workplace, much like a, a workplace or a workplace for freelancers to offer up their services like Fiverr. Fiverr is a really good example of where you can go and post your services and people pay for them. That's where Rise started. We were, we were collecting freelancers from all over the world who post their services and then creating a way for, for users to go on and pay with cryptocurrency um, or pay with their credit card and it gets transmitted in cryptocurrency. So that's still like working for crypto and getting paid in crypto. That still the, was the foundation. But we quickly realized that it's really difficult to start up such a marketplace without a large marketing budget to really draw in the users as you're essentially building a two-sided marketplace. You need customers to pay for it and you need freelancers uh, to provide services. So how do you reach these people? It, it Once we built it, we realized we don't have any money to really, really push marketing efforts. Um, but we also found a real need to connect companies and their uh, contractors and their payees. There's compliance concern around how you manage relationships between companies and contractors as well. So we're filling that gap as well to say that when you're working with this company, what are your roles and responsibilities? And are you concerned that this, this user might be more of an employee rather than a contractor? So protecting the company that way as well uh, is where we found a great opportunity. So we pivoted uh, in 2020, we pivoted from a, a marketplace into a payroll processing platform. And, and after and through that pivot, I believe you've sought to appeal both to, you know, kind of crypto native and traditional companies simultaneously working with both fiat, you know, money as as people have historically thought of it and crypto based currency and kind of webbing together the corresponding internal accounting systems. So, you know, just kind of first off, how how does that all work and 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 from the the perspective of 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 crypto where have you found that you know the 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 gravity and pull has been strong for the adoption of of that use case? When we built Rise, we had a real we and we still do have a real emphasis on being not so Web three focused. Meaning, like it doesn't require a lot of this large learning curve. It doesn't require you to have a wallet or even know what a blockchain is or what even a blockchain transaction looks like. Right. And, and when you say Web three, what is it that you mean by that? Yeah, so Web3 being this new web of transactions. Like, So today you might go on a website and buy something. You log in, you buy something by clicking a button, you provide your credit card. Web3, you probably, you might even log in with a, a crypto wallet. Uh, and so this wallet is essentially like your, not necessarily ID, but it's your access into this network of compute nodes that allow you to actually send and interact with websites. This wallet contains a public and a private key. This private key is yours to keep safe, and this public key is your essentially your identifier within these, these networks and within these websites. Uh, and you can sign messages, and you can actually attest that you are who you say you are, and your actions are confirmed through cryptographic signatures using these wallets. And so, like all of those things I just said, are confusing to a lot of people because, <laughs> like, why do I need all this stuff, right? And so, like knowing. 
Like that's a huge learning curve and a hurdle for any company that even wants to attempt to do this. Realize that that's not going to be really realistic, right? One, they're probably not going to have crypto. Uh, and two, that they probably want to pay in something that's stable. They're not going to want to pay in something that fluctuates minute over minute or day over day. And so we really focused on making sure that facilitating the payment happens in a stable way, as well as working within our website, within the Rise Pay application, you're actually your user behavior, the, the interactions you're making feel much more like you'd use any other website. And so that's what we really try to focus on, even though the foundation of the RisePay platform and RiseWorks, everything we do is based on blockchain. So all the data goes into blockchain. When you send money, it's on blockchain. When you change settings in your account, it's on blockchain. And the reason we do that is for security. We had uh, a user uh, just actually yesterday that was saying, oh, my account got hacked, like make sure my account's safe. And we said, it already is. You have a web, a wallet, like we don't have to do anything. Like we'll you know, reset your account if we need to, but there's nothing else for us to do because you've already protected it another way. And you can think of this as a, a, a multi-factor authentication or 2FA where you actually have this other authentication mechanism to protect your account. And that's, that's a great example of why this stuff matters. So like, you know, it, it's a hard learning curve, but when you need it, you realize once you, by having it, it really protected you and it was actually great. Um, and so that's, that's been really um, valuable for us. And so uh, how that works, like when the Rise Play platform is that if you want to get into Web3, you want to do anything on a Web3 application, you need this wallet. Well, within the Rise Pay platform, we actually give you a wallet if you don't already have one. So if you're not a native like crypto user, you're not familiar, we have a simple option, which actually will just give you a wallet in the background. But all you need to know is the password to this wallet. Um, and that's all you need to know using the platform. So it has a very much Web2 like feel. You just need to know a password and you actually are interacting with the blockchain. And we don't show you blockchain transactions. We don't try to show you speculative uh, cryptocurrency, you know, exchange sort of graphs or anything like that. It's really just about paying people and paying them securely. So where is the company today? You know, having gone through these sets of learnings and, and, and go-to-market mechanism, how do you describe Rise today, where the company is and what your current focus is? Yeah, uh, um, so we, we're growing uh, month over month. It's a little bit slower now at 10%, but we've had the past several months growing at 20 and 30%. We've gotten a lot of attention from DAOs where they're crypto heavy in their treasury and they're paying their workforce. Uh, and their workforce sometimes need to be paid in, in USD or fiat or into their bank account to pay for their bills and goods and services. And so we see a lot of that. Um, and that's where we're really focusing and growing. And so our goal is to... Uh, make sure we're known to all of these crypto treasury heavy companies um, that were a great option for them to actually spend their treasury and pay their people. And they don't have to worry about how they're receiving those funds. So we're growing. Uh, we're, we're focused on crypto users, even though our, our application has very much a, like a Web2 or basic website feel. And uh, right now we're focused on building our payroll application, which will launch with a, an EOR, employer record services, which means that we represent and we are the company in the United States that employs those users. And so this is really attractive um, if you are cross geography, across the United States, and you don't have entities in every state or you're not in the United States and you want to pay U.S. workers, Rise is a great option for you uh, to run payroll and have employees with benefits and, and savings accounts. Hmm. So I definitely want to tackle the geography agnostic approach and, and global first implications, but I think we just got to define, you know, for for folks what a what a DAO is who who may not be familiar. I, yeah, I've always, you, you know, <laughs> to date, I, I've always kind of thought of like Bitcoin as the original DAO because it's it's this 
decentralized, you know, autonomous organization. There's no managerial overhead. It, it's collective decision making from the bottom up since inception. But I think it's kind of evolved a bit since then. So how is it, you know, that you think about what a DAO is and and what what are those organizations and and how are, and how are you working with them today? Yeah, and we, we get caught up in uh, you know living this life day to day. You say these <laughs> acronyms and these things that that maybe don't make sense to a lot of people. And uh, so, uh, decentralized Thomas organization is a collection of of users who actually have ownership in some sort of quote unquote company, but it's like a soft company where there's really no like legal entity in any country, but there's actually like people collaborating to build up what is uh, an entity across the entire uh, world. Once you have ownership in it, you have different voting rights and different ways of influencing the company. Uh, and the benefits from it are these internal uh, controls, these internal financial con- uh, mechanisms that actually uh, you work for and you get paid and you live your life. And so you're not like necessarily signing up for a company, you're signing up to for a global effort. Um, and these are very much technically related or um, developer related today, especially because you're building these digital technologies that can be developed from anywhere, right? So you probably wouldn't see this in like a farm or something because like they're you're you're not autonomous, you're not decentralized anymore. You're in a specific location. So, so yeah, that's how I, I think about them. I think that um, there's good and bad from what I know. That you know the the challenges are that everything is uh, democracy. Like so, there's votes that happen with everything. So that slows a lot of things down. So I think that's some of the bad in there. And you don't get to necessarily choose and pick who you're working with. Uh, a lot of these DAOs, they take anybody any contributor right so sometimes that might uh, cause some problems too but um that, that's really who we're working with i mean a, a lot of times so uh, we do have traditional companies as well who pay with bank accounts they send bank wires they fund their account and they pay their teams globally because as i said in the beginning like it's it is hard to pay people around the world in different countries and different banking systems so let, let, let's talk a bit about the the global market. You know, I feel like most companies, when when they start, you know, with the U.S. launch and then subsequently will go global later. But like you mentioned, you know, increasingly work has become somewhat borderless and and uh, and global in in scope, particularly for I think the most technologically forward applications for things like crypto or even AI. It's just is very internet first as a concept, which tends to be very not geography first. <laughs> so how, how have you approached that? Well, what does that look like as a, as a company, you know, taking on the, the global market first almost? From finding talent, that's one thing. Like uh, I think talent and the way they interact with a company is different from, you know, Eastern Europe to South America to, of course, United States, right? So the, the find, resource, or sourcing that talent is, is challenging and, and weighing the pros and cons uh, to, to including those users onto your team is, is also definitely something to consider. I found actually great success in Brazil. We've had some uh, really good developers from Brazil joining the team as well. But payments, uh, payments uh, looks like for our company is that we have actually quite a few payment remittance channels um, and disbursement channels. And that's really been our focus for our infrastructure and our payment system for the banking side of things. Of course, crypto is easy when it comes to global payments. But when you need to interact with all these different banking partners, then we need different channels for that. So we've been uh, really just on a roll and in integrating with different providers to hook into PIX or SEPA or you know other banks around the world. And we always fall back to uh, wire transfers as well if we need to. So really just making sure we have all those different channels enabled. And so 
you know, kind of just rounding out the the, the product offering and, and the, the actual you know value coming through the the platform here. You had also mentioned an important piece here is that people have to authenticate that they are who they they say they are, right? So you know, thinking about potential fraudulent type situations that could arise in this in this environment that that you're operating. How is it that you've 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 thought about you know what it is to have a professional identity in the in the Rise ecosystem? Yeah, well, early on in building Rise, realize that every, everybody that joins the platform really does need we need to know who they are one for for money laundering purposes and for national security and for making sure that we're not we're not you know providing resources to illicit activities and knowing that that quickly turned into well everybody on our platform is essentially being identified which leads us to we need some way to identify these these users on chain uh, and from that we've created uh, something called the rise id this rise id is your identity within the rise ecosystem but it's a little bit more than that it's not just your identity when you receive payments it's also your identity for partnership integrations uh, so if you wanted to give approval to read your private data, you could theoretically do so through the RISE ID, write custom attributes to this on-chain contract, which is publicly accessible anywhere throughout the world. And that would be of approval to a third-party entity for RISE to share your information. And it could be you know, authentication information that could be approved and rejected at any time. And the value here is that one, it's, it's globally accessible, and two, that you're in control of the keys, meaning that you can approve and reject these attributes and these these the sharing um, attestations anytime you like. Uh, now, none of this is like public identity data. It's really just more of identifiers to share public identity data. But this this information isn't actually on chain. It's just the approval to do so. But writing these smart contracts on chain that are that is your pseudo your anonymous identity that allows you to write any sort of attribute really is flexible. So if you think of you know, certifications, uh, in, uh, platform integrations, and anything else that needs some sort of like pointer back to a really trusted source, that's what this is really for. And so, yeah, so everybody on the RisePay platform, they go through a, a KYC or a KYB, that's know your customer or know your business process. During onboarding, at the end of onboarding, you're given this Rise ID that's on-chain. So it's an address, smart contract, that actually you can write uh, custom attributes to it. Lay of the Land is brought to you by John Carroll University's Bowler College of Business, widely recognized as one of the top business schools in the region. As we've heard time and time again from entrepreneurs here on Lay of the Land, many of whom are proud alumni of John Carroll University, success in this ever-changing world of business requires a dynamic and innovative mindset, deep understanding of emerging technologies and systems, strong ethics, leadership prowess, acute business acumen, all qualities nurtured through the Bowler College of Business. With four different MBA programs of study, spanning professional, online, hybrid, and one-year flexible, the Bowler College of Business provides flexible timelines and various class structures for each MBA track, including online, in-person, hybrid, and asynchronous, all to offer the most effective options for you, including the ability to participate in an elective international study tour, providing unparalleled opportunities to expand your global business knowledge by networking with local companies overseas and experiencing a new culture. The career impact of a Bowler MBA is formative and will help prepare you for this future of business and get more out of your career. To learn more about John Carroll University's Bowler MBA programs, please go to business.jcu.edu. The Bowler College of Business is fully accredited by AACSB International, the highest accreditation a college of business can have. 
you know, recently you guys have closed on about $3.8 million in funding. You know, the recent uh, winner of, of Consensus, which I believe is, is maybe the largest conference for, you know, companies building in this, in this space. So to tell us a little bit about like what the, the fundraising process was like and a little bit about the vision for where, you know, Rise is going. And I think maybe, you know, a, a fun way to think about that is, you know, when Rise is, is in full form in, in your mind at some hypothetical point in the future, what, what does that future look like? What are the jobs that are created? What does the world look like in which that future comes to be? So, so you know, starting with uh, our raise and the Pitch Fest consensus winners, like our raise, you know, I have a co-founder, his name's Hugo. He did a lot of the legwork with the raise. I was kind of there with him as uh, his cheerleader, so to speak. But man, I felt all the emotions and raising <laughs> it is. It is a roller coaster. Um, I like to equate it to dating, like investors are hot and cold. And, you know, I think most more so even though because it's at the seed stage where you're you're doing things all based on a lot of promise and hopes and not like factual data because you're building your company, you're building your product, you're working on that MVP and making and growing your customer base. So it's a lot less about recipes and math and, and growth. And it's more about like just showing that you can have a product here and your team can execute. And so I think that's why it's extra emotional in that, in that way, uh, because it's really hard to convince people sometimes, even though like it really makes sense to you. It's not everybody sees the same vision as you. So, uh, yeah, so that was, it was tough. It was a long time in, in the works there, but uh, definitely got some great investors out of it. Uh, Sino Global Capital being one, Draper Associates. And originally one of our very early investors was Justin Mateen, uh, founder of Tinder. He, he came in at our pre-seed stage and really gave us the opportunity to really kind of get started. So all that, while it has been uh, challenging and, and difficult to work through, uh, definitely um, shows resilience and uh, definitely glad to come out on top. We're still uh, working hard and growing fast. So, and as far as the Pitch Fest consensus, yeah, the consensus conference is the largest Ethereum conference of the year, sponsored by Consensus, who is the company behind Ethereum that originally created Ethereum. We had an opportunity to pitch, I guess, I think it was around 30 some other companies that pitched as, as well. All mm-hmm. very good companies, but right now I think it just it kind of uh, shows that there's a real need to build this infrastructure, this uh, infrastructure for like payments and some real uh, payroll processing companies. And and so yeah, I'm super happy that we won. I think Hugo did an excellent job presenting in that and uh, shows that our technology has a place, and so do our users um, using it. So super happy about that. As far as uh, what it looks like in the future for Rise, we really want to grow to just streamline payments for people. Like every every week, I use Rise myself to pay my team, and I literally go in, click a few things, I'm done paying payroll. Like, and I know everything's done accurately because it's on chain, it's all cryptographically signed and calculated, and I'm the only one that can do it because I have the keys. Like, there is a a level of comfort that is just not that usual in the technology space because this, these, this signing of cryptographic messages is really what gives you confidence as a developer and as a user that things are accurate. And that's really, I think, the huge difference here that it's hard to really describe other than just feeling it and, and exposing yourself to it and trying. 
the, the blockchain technology being Turing complete, which means that all the inputs will always, always equal the outputs at any given state, means that you really can have confidence that when something works, it really does work. It doesn't sort of work as some technology isn't uh, built all that well and so it just sort of works. So that's always been a, a treat as well. So, but yeah, streamlining, streamlining payments to, uh, for companies and paying global workforces that really gives companies the opportunity to grow because they have uh, a larger talent pool to draw from. They don't have to find the people just down the street or even in the state. They can find help all over the world to build their companies. What what is the the business model itself look like? And one of the things I'm, I'm interested about in in kind of a, a more traditional go to market strategy hat on is you know when you think about that concept of of the ideal customer persona, I don't imagine there's been a lot of precedent set around like how to sell and market to DAOs, for example. Knowing that's just a segment, but like how is it that you're thinking about what it is to to go to market here and differentiation and you know the actual selling of of the product. The, the selling is, you know, being crypto enabled, we've won a lot of customers that have looked at competitors that are not crypto focused, that are, you know, typical Web2 companies that have uh, really full control over where money is going and what it's doing. Uh, and we've won a lot of customers just because we're foundationally built on, on blockchain. And that's their their native place that they want to be. And so that's that's a huge selling point. The other part is focusing on the companies, especially the early stage, who are interested in like, how do I get into a payroll processing system that's not overly burdened or even influences my accounting aspects? That might be a completely different thing, but a way to really just streamline and automate these payments uh, from my currency that I currently have. And so focusing on these DAOs, it's not only DAOs, there's there's plenty of companies out there that are crypto uh, heavy in their treasury that want to pay their users that are very much companies. Even Rise ourselves, we have uh, part of our treasury in crypto as well, in stablecoin, just to have it there for uh, paying people. And uh, really focusing on those crypto-enabled companies uh, because they're new, they're very much interested in our product and uh, making sure they know about us. What have been some of the the lessons learned as the sentiment and perception of crypto has ebbed and flowed over the, the last decade here with kind of varying degrees of of uh, optimism and, and pessimism around it that, that feels just kind of amplified on either side of that spectrum. Yeah, I mean, the uh, the bad actors in the space uh, definitely haven't made it easy for, for the people trying to do good, that's for sure. And the political landscape has also made it much more complicated. But, you know, being in technology, one thing I believe 100% is technology is solid. It's secure, it's working, and it has high throughput. And so I will fall back on the actual data and that technology before I'll, you know, really invest a lot of concern into the political landscape. And I think you see that in the rest of the world too. The rest of the world is is moving forward because they understand the impacts of being able to communicate and transfer value with an utmost degree of certainty of of security and finality. And that's the thing I, I use the word finality because like. If you think about using your credit card and buying some goods at the store or like paying for services um, or even paying your mortgage, like that payment actually isn't final. Like that payment is just a promise that it will be final someday. But in blockchain, the finality is way more efficient and much more precise than any of those payment mechanisms we have today because all that stuff takes time. But with blockchain, it's cryptographically signed and it's executed. And so finality is overlooked often because we take it for granted because we just borrow and lend all day long. But that's really what it is. But with blockchain, it's actually finality. 
Yeah, no, I mean, it's certainly operating on the frontier, but there is a decade plus track record of, of, of what this technology looks like in practice operating at scale. And so it's, I think the, you know, the, the often cited criticism it, of the, the space writ large has been that it's kind of a technology in search of a problem to be solved. But it's, I mean, you just kind of look at where we are right now and there are a lot of problems being solved <laughs> with it. There, are, there definitely are, and I, I think that we haven't we haven't even really skimmed the surface on on the problems it's actually solving. You know, the another great example is supply chain accuracy. I want to say it was I heard a talk not too long ago about Walmart's ability to like trace back any sort of infected or foul food back to its source very quickly because they have this now track record of these chains of transactions throughout their entire supply chain, and so like. It, Use cases like that, we're going to start seeing come to light, but it really is a, a, a value add when you recognize like how much more efficient you can become if you have these systems in place. And I really like to to encourage like users to really get involved um, and start learning about blockchain because I think the self sovereign like sounds fancy, but it really is impactful if you were able to actually put that that money to work and you had full control over it twenty four seven and in your hands control over it and transactions that happened right away without waiting for finality on those things. So yeah. I think it, it can be really, really um, interesting place to be in the future where using blockchain to pay for things. I, I've thought a bit about that, that concept there as, you know, my own company's kind of played in a similar space, but you know, the, the consequence right now is that it's like, 91% of Americans feel they don't have agency over how their own information is stored on the internet, how secure it is, who has access to it, and who is actually profiting from it. And I think it it does kind of represent this growing and deep mistrust of centralized data ownership. And, and so the problem is that, you know, the current data paradigm is not a great deal for individuals um, and that ultimately individuals should have some ownership over the data that belongs, pertains, and originates from themselves. And I, I think the regulatory bodies are kind of moving in that direction when you think about what GDPR in Europe kind of lays out and, and some of the, the, the regulatory bodies as well in the States have laid out, particularly in California. Um, but, but as it relates to, to those kinds of pieces of, of your digital identity, which, which covers, I think, a lot of what you're working on as well. And I think that we're going to see that become more and more important issue of your privacy and your data getting out there, especially with AI and what you now can start doing with AI. Uh, people are going to start really worrying about where their data goes. I think before AI, like managing, wielding that data from all these consumers was probably a whole lot harder. And so now I think that privacy is going to become even more of a of a concern of users. And that's definitely why you know you want to have keys in your hand and, and control over that at all times, not giving it to um, to other companies. So what what is coming next for for Rise? When you think about, you know, what it is that you're building, what you're going to build next, how you prioritize, where where what is the direction that you guys are trying to go in kind of the the proverbial life cycle of startups to to unlock the next stage, you know, what are the kind of milestones that that you're working towards and and trying to validate as a as a company? Yeah, we're, we're focused on 100% processing payroll in the United States. Uh, and when I say 100%, what I really mean is um, payrolls, the, the terms used a little bit lightly, but when I say payroll, I really mean like processing your tax deductions, forwarding on tax deductions to government agencies, like true payroll. 
and, and, and true employees. So we've got partnerships uh, for benefits. We've got partnerships for, for savings and we have a, a product we're building that actually will be calculating and, and withdrawing payroll uh, tax deductions and other deductions from your paycheck through the Rise Pay platform. So that's definitely top of mind. Other things are bill pay and also um, DeFi protocols. So as I said, the self-sovereign, be able to put your money to work is really the essence of what we're trying to build here. And that is you get paid in crypto and the next thing you, you want to do is either go buy goods or you probably want to invest it or save it. And that's really where DeFi comes in uh, and really can can expose users to being self-sovereign, have control over all of their finances and it generating uh, value for them. Uh, and truthfully, right, it hasn't been until recently until uh, banks have actually started offering any sort of substantial interest rates on their savings accounts or even their checkings account. And I think a lot of that has to do with crypto. Regardless, though, I think that uh, having that control in your hands is, is most important. So what we want to do is really expose all these DeFi protocols to typical users and make it really easy for them to interact with them. And, and DeFi meaning decentralized finance. Yeah, decentralized finance. So to take that further, like uh, that means like you putting your money into smart contracts that are tested, trusted, have been audited, and they're providing value. So a good example is you might just put your money out there to be borrowed at four or five percent uh, on that 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 loan lend money and that that lending of money is actually fully collateralized so there's not like this under collateralized loan that has high risk the money's already there and for anybody that borrows against your the money that you put forward uh, they actually have over collateralization so like if that that user defaults you actually get even more back and so that's why it's a very interesting way of doing it and providing that funds and making it liquid Today, your bank serves that purpose, right? That's actually the true purpose of the bank is to actually lend out money, not to keep your money safe. But crypto covers can cover both of those angles. So all this said, you know, what, what is the, the impact that you hope to have looking back here in retrospect? I, I think we've touched on this a bit, but what, what does success look like if, uh, you know, all this plays out and, and, and goes according to plan? Yeah, according to plan, we have uh, users that are getting paid in crypto. We're streamlining processes for, for companies. We've got hundreds of thousands of users using the payroll processing system, and payments are flowing automatically, securely, and uh, with, with same day and same uh, hour, same minute finality. Um, and users are actually then taking their money and investing it for themselves and being in full control of their funds and a flourishing ecosystem of, of uh, those opportunities for users to, to put their funds into either investment vehicles or either pay for things on the go uh, using their mobile phone. And from you know, the perspective of, of Rise as a, as a company altogether, when you think about you know, where, where you're trying to take the company itself, what, how does that you know, work in parallel to, to the, the vision for the, the value that you're bringing to market? Yeah, we're processing payroll, we're employing people and uh, making things more efficient for companies to operate in that space. And when they are paying their people, they don't have to worry about which uh, banks and which systems they have to, to, to integrate with. Uh, that's all handled for them. And if, if things don't go according to plan, which, which they never do, <laughs> what, what, uh, what will have gone wrong in your mind uh, that, you know, that you're, you're cognizant of the, the risks that you're trying to mitigate how are you approaching those? And you know, what, what are the ones that, 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 that keep you up most at night? Yeah, um, I don't, you know, I, I feel really good about the technology. I feel really good about you know, the mission behind Rise and, and uh, streamlining payments for users. 
you know, what keeps me a little bit concerned is just uh, these things that you can't control. The political landscape, of course, like is always concerning because it has an impact of in people's interest in learning these, about these new technologies. The other thing that's really important for uh, anybody in the crypto space to work on, and I would say that we, we all know it, is just to make it easier for people to use. And until it becomes that, uh, things aren't going to look right. Um, and so that's really has to, has to be the top of focus for everybody in the crypto space. What what are you most excited about looking forward? Uh, as far as rise or for crypto, uh, both actually. Yeah, I'm honestly I'm I'm most excited about processing payroll <laughs> and I, uh, on on chain because I think it's just gonna, <laughs> it just makes so much sense like these rules that are that are just written in stone essentially um, to process payroll and, and securely for crypto um, you know again it's that, that mass adoption um, to really have it wield it on your phone and uh, really have full control and trust in that money movement, you know, I think that's just really, really exciting. And I, I know you mentioned at the onset that an eye towards the future more than, than to the past in terms of reflection and, you know, thinking about the, the company overall, but to, to ask about, you know, lessons learned and, and reflections along the way, regardless, what, what have you taken with you? You know, wh whether it be with regards to crypto or just entrepreneurship, Having taken that step away from dealer tire, you know, so many years ago, and 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 on this this entrepreneurial path, what do you know now that that maybe you wish you knew at the onset, and what has surprised you along the way? Um, I'd probably say that things take longer than you anticipate. You know, I think we're we're always uh, you know positive, and we think uh, things take um, you know probably half as, as as much time as they actually take. And so I, I think for anybody who's getting into that space or crypto, whether it's crypto or it's uh, just being an entrepreneur. And you're looking even for like looking for investment rounds and stuff like they take a lot longer than you might imagine uh, for one reason or another and it, it may not have anything to do with uh, what's in your control too so it's really just around resiliency and just uh, keep plugging on so that's that's probably the biggest eye-opener i have is, is there anything that you've you know coming into it long-held belief that you've you've changed your mind on as a consequence of having gone through this this journey not necessarily. I mean, we have uh, maybe there is uh, some opinions like, you know, you want to have the United States workforce, you, you work best with them. But I think what I, one of the things I was opened up to is really the talent that's in other countries that are very much capable of working with United States workers. And what I mean by that is like culturally they fit, they can communicate well and they can execute. You know, you can you can work with them uh, at a very high degree of efficiency. So um, I didn't know that that was as true. It is I I had a kind of a belief that maybe like it, it required a whole lot more communication documentation, but I, I found that it, it's not necessarily true. Um, the rest of the world can definitely work with uh, U.S. companies very easily. And how has been growing a, a remote organization from from Cleveland? Uh, great. Um, and, you know, so part of my development team is uh, is in South America, um, in Brazil specifically. And then I do have uh, another Cleveland developer here, too. Uh, but working with them is though they're working, you know, next door. It really is surprising how well we all get along and have really kind of created this uh, close knit of developers building a product. And so finding the talent is, is a little bit tougher because you're really not sure in the beginning, of course, because you're not in person necessarily. But what actually turned out to be really nice is if you found one, they typically know someone else who works really well, too. And they're all very much interested in working for U.S. companies. So uh, that was also eye opening, too, but a great surprise. With regards to, to what it is that, that you're building, 
of, of any misconceptions that, that people have, if you could, you know, clarify one thing, what is it that you wish people understood about, about Rise and, and what it is that, that you're doing here? I would say it's probably around the word crypto. I think like everybody thinks of crypto as investment, Ponzi schemes sort of stuff and bad actors, but really under the hood, there are so many people building right now. That's kind of the mantra and the what they call a bear market when, when uh, crypto isn't really high, but everybody's building really great, sophisticated technology. ZK proofs is, is really kind of a hot topic right now because they enable so much more throughput and aggregation of transactions, as well as things where you can interact with sites and they don't, you don't necessarily know who exactly uh, sent the message, but you can send anonymous messages like voting systems and that sort of thing really make a whole lot of sense with this cryptographic uh, technology. So point is, is that there really, there's a lot of builders under the hood and, and not everybody is who you see on the outskirts, the loud, noisy users that might be all about speculation and token values. It's really not about that. It's about building technology. So that's the biggest misconception with, with Rise because we have crypto on our site, crypto we're working with, but it, just crypto in general, it's really not designed to be all around speculation. It's really designed around a, a value transfer system that's global and secure. So we can we can close out then with our traditional closing question, which is for a hidden gem in, in Cleveland, something that other folks may not know about. You know, uh, I was trying to think of like something unique, something that's special, something that somebody else hasn't, <laughs> hasn't said, but I kept coming back to the Metro Parks. I'm sure like you've had that answer plenty of times, but man, I would just say like, especially I, I grew up in California and it's got some great national parks and everything, but for the city parks and the really accessible parks, the metro parks have been fantastic. Just well-capped, large, beautiful systems of uh, rivers and trails uh, to partake in, and you really can feel like you get lost in them. So I've really enjoyed that. I've really enjoyed how accessible they are and, and well, how well that program is run. So definitely not hidden, but definitely something that people should know about. Yeah, they can't get enough love for the metro parks. They are, they are pretty extraordinary. Awesome. Well, I just want to thank you again, Andrew, for taking the time and, and coming on. I, I appreciate you, you, you sharing the story. Excited to, to follow along on your journey. Yeah, thanks so much, Jeffrey. And uh, definitely uh, like touch base in the future here and uh, give updates. That'd be great. Oh, absolutely. If people had anything that they wanted to follow up with you about, what would be the, the best way for them to do so? Yeah, you can check us out at riseworks.io. Uh, and if you want to email me directly, I'm Andrew at riseworks.io. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Andrew. Thank you. That's all for this week. Thank you for listening. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's show. So if you have any feedback, please send over an email to jeffrey at layoftheland.fm or find us on Twitter at podlayoftheland or at sternhefe, J-E-F-E. If you or someone you know would make a good guest for our show, please reach out as well and let us know. And if you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or on your preferred podcast player. Your support goes a long way to help us spread the word and continue to bring the Cleveland founders and builders we love having on the show. We'll be back here next week at the same time to map more of the land. The Lay of the Land podcast was developed in collaboration with the Up Company LLC. At the time of this recording, unless otherwise indicated, we do not own equity or other financial interests in the company which appear on the show. All opinions expressed by podcast participants are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of any entity which employs us. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.